All right, social media family, thank you for joining us. Now, we're going to look a little different tonight because our camera is acting up, so you're just going to see the little, the little dot in the middle of the, the screen tonight, but you can hopefully hear us loud and clear. Yes. And we are going to continue with the Christian philosophy series. We are on lesson seven tonight, lesson seven. Now, the subtitle is... Is God angry with me? Is God angry with me? So let's. Hmm. All right. Before we jump into into the text, I want to start with a a question. Okay. Just to just open open up and expand this question: Is God angry with me? All right. Now, when you talk about training a child, parenting, love, you know, what is more important, love or discipline? Love or discipline? <laughs> You said which one is more important? Mm-hmm. For me, I think they have equal value, but this one. Okay. All right. I think they have equal value. No. All right. Eric said they have equal value. Anybody else? I don't think they're exclusive Ooh. because love encourages discipline. Discipline is just training a child up. And, and um, showing them through your own life how their life will look and speaking through that. So love is definitely the top. And through that, discipline will come. Also, sad thing, like, you know, Mary, sadly, like, you know, discipline's like a form of love. It's like, you know, I mean, it, if you love your child, you're going to obviously tell them don't touch the hot stove. <laughs> They're going to burn their hands, you know, and that's your way of loving them because you don't want them to get hurt. So, but see, you, what you said is true. It's going hand in hand. Yeah, because when you when you love, it's all like it's you're going to teach. Like you said, she's saying you know, don't touch the hot stove. You're not if they do it, you you correct them. You don't know how to love it because you don't want them to be burned. So right. it's, it's what you're saying. It is it is going hand in hand. That love is what propels because if you care about them, you go like, "Where you hand? I don't care." Right. Hmm. Okay. Now this is kind of taking a, a, a interesting turn that I, I wasn't expecting, but this is. Do you what... know who these people in this group are? Right. Have you met us? <laughs> <laughs> There's something wrong if it didn't turn. Right. Something <laughs> wrong. Right. Be- because I'm I'm thinking about, you know, what our concepts of love are versus discipline. What is our concept of discipline, right? And I, I, I love what Mary said, that they're not mutually exclusive. Oh, no, yeah. So really the question that I asked was, was not the right question to ask. So it's kind of a trick question, kind right? Of because they are love encompasses training and discipline, right? Because example, all right, you talked about the stove, all right? So if your child asks you, mommy, 
Can I touch the stove? And it's it, and when it's when it's hot, it's you see the the eye or the stove is red. Like, ooh, it looks so pretty. I want to touch it. Now, if the the mother says, you know what? Since I don't, I don't want to hurt you. I want to give you everything that you desire. You go ahead and touch that stove. You touch that eye. You just you enjoy yourself. <laughs> now, now this I'm being a little hyperbolic here. Yeah, but we like it, right? But isn't that a picture of what some would call mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. love? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Yes. But the reality is, if the child is going to put their finger on that stove, what's going to happen? Oh, my God. They're going to get hurt. They're going to get really hurt. Right? So, that, that moment of disappointment is keeping them from some potential long-term damage. Yeah. Right? So who's more loving? The parent that restricts the child from touching a stove or the one who in, encourages the child to go ahead and go after everything they want in that moment? Yeah, that's true. Because let it just know. <laughs> that almost like that that really kind of balances everything. Like where you'll hear, you know, you know, we have like two extremes in the church settings, like the greasy grace or the hellfire brimstone, and then you're like in the greasy grace movie. Oh, but God wants you to have you able to do anything. You know, you want and you can. It's like, well, of course we could do anything we wanted, and God would still love us. But the thing is, it's going to hurt us, and God put warnings, and he put restrictions because he cares about us, you know? <laughs> Therefore, that's his love. <laughs> yeah, but I think people, yeah, they, they, they are convinced God love, which is true. Of course. But they're like, okay, but I know I'm doing this, but God loves me. I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but God loves me. Yeah. And so, you know, even though I messed up, God loves me, and that's true. But like you said, they, they keep touching the stove. Yeah, yeah. I said, God, I love it. And out of his grace, and, he keeps trying to. Right, but he keeps he trying to tell you, yeah, but don't so do that. I love you, don't do that. But they keep touching the stove and keep getting burnt. And it's like, <laughs> but God still loving them, saying, okay, so but I was saying, okay, how many times do you have to get burnt before you realize this is not good for you? It's like, I said it because I love you. I don't right. want you to But I'm saying, I think people, yeah. they embrace that. You know, he loves me, but there's no restraint. It's like, okay, well, you know, well, I'm just going to do this, I'm going to do that, do whatever I want to do. As he talked about a child, just doing whatever they want to do. And they say, well, well yeah. after you've been hurt, yeah, but he loved me. You know, I know he loves me, and I know I messed up, he loved me, but yeah. at some point, that love should restrain you from it's like, hmm, yeah, I burn my finger. I need to not do that next time. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But now, with all that being said, can we say that the hellfire and brimstone preaching is wrong or right? Is it right, then? 
is the truth. Depending to some on some extent. What, yeah. It's part of it is true. You're going to go to hell. Yeah. If you don't yet receive Jesus, that's yeah. true. But if it's beaten to you, you it, there's too many I've seen that have ran from that because they couldn't take it anymore. Mm -hmm. right. If you breathe wrong, hell breathing down your neck. Mm -hmm. So you go, I can't take this anymore and just don't care. Yeah, that the it's too extreme. The you nineteen know. kids and counting, the one girl is coming out and talking now about I don't even know what kind of religion they had. You know that show yeah, nineteen yeah, kids. Yeah, she's one of them. She's coming out and saying some things that they had done and something about when when they were, were going to go to a movie or something and they weren't supposed. You know they were taught these things you weren't supposed to do. Whether it was like a dance or I think it was a movie. Mm -hmm. And I think they, as teenagers, a couple of them, like they went to the movie and she was convinced that they were going to get in a car accident and die on the way home. Oh, man. And so she's now opening fear. up about what that has done to her. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. Like a, a testimony like with me, you know, where I've mentioned before that I literally got to the point where they were. Not that I knew I really was not going to hell, but it was just in my mind. I was like, I was so beat down with like commandments and I didn't feel like I could enjoy life to the point where I was like, God, I mean, I'd rather just go to hell if it's going to be like this, you know, me, you know, not living, you know, but then to realize God, you know, had so many more good things he wanted me to do. And then, you know, he put the commandments there to, you know, keep me safe, you know, and he didn't want me to get hurt as his daughter and then other children because, you know. Together, so. But I think that type of preaching it will it will keep you from touching the stove, but it won't build a relationship. Truly, yeah, very. That's, that's what it's yeah. Fear. It's fear. Yeah, built. it'll keep you from touching. No, okay, yeah, God said yeah. don't do this. Don't, don't touch. And I'm and I'm scared that He's gonna yeah. punish me if I do it. So it'll it'll restrain you from mm -hmm. doing the wrong thing, yeah. but it won't be a relationship. Yeah. It won't be an intimacy as we talk about. There you go. So basically, it's not a full picture right. of who God is, of the whole that what what the gospel represents. It's just a it is a portion of the good news in the sense that the only way to be free from a destiny in, in hell is Jesus, but he is the answer and he freely has given of himself. All you have to do is play, place your trust in him. Yeah. That's a vital part of the message, but it's not the totality. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because now, going back to the example of the stove, hellfire and brimstone can keep you from touching the stove, right? But mm -hmm. The representation of the love of God will allow you to cook on the stove and enjoy the food that you can produce on it. Oh, wow. That's yes. a good way to look at it. Yes. Yes, it does. Right. Probably you, how to handle it. Right. It's the relationship that you're teaching. It's the, it's the whole picture. The whole picture. Right. Whole picture. Now, just jumping on, on the, the outline has a statement that says, I think that God is being represented in so many contrasting ways by so many different groups in society that many people are frustrated and confused. Like you mentioned earlier, they read Old Testament scriptures that talk about God smiting people with leprosy, 
then they hear someone like like me, Andrew, or others who teach the grace of God, say God is love and he will never use evil against us. And they wonder which one is the real God. (laughs) But God has always been the same loving God we see manifested in the life and ministry of Jesus. See, you see that last part of that statement? God has been the same loving God we see manifested in the life and ministry of Jesus. So if you Mm -hmm. want us to know, you want to have a complete picture of what God is like, who we look at? We look at Jesus. We look at him. The author and the finisher of our faith. Yeah, that's true. All right. Point C on the outline says God is on our side. Yet a lot of people think of him as harsh, a harsh and angry God who is eager to judge us for the wrong we've done. Point D. Religion is even teaching that suffering and disease are a blessing in disguise. They see that God uses evil to teach us a lesson. Now, I know we, that's something, that's a, that's a sacred cow that we, we have beat to death and fried up and cooked in, 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 in this, you know, yeah, in this study. But there's a quote here, um, Isaiah 5 and 20. Isaiah 5 and 20. Let's go there. What sorrow, in in the New Living Translation, Isaiah 5 and 20 says, what sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil, that dark is light and light is dark, that bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. I'm going to read verse 21 too. It says, what sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. Now, we could look at that in two different domains. We could look at that, that the impact of that culturally, like how that is manifesting itself in the culture, as well as in religion. Right? How there's been this spillover. Good, evil, calling good, evil. And evil good. So no wonder people confused and frustrated. Because just like the conundrum that Andrew spoke of in the, the first points of the outline, right? Like which would will the real God real please stand up? Yeah. Right? Who who is the real God? Who is he? Because you you read the old testament and you know what what those scriptures were. I will smite thee with the leprosy and the botch. And all that. And then you hear John 3.16 in the New Testament. People think that God is a schizophrenic God. I think, though, what I see a lot of times is um, 
you know, just from my own experience was I saw the discrepancies a lot when I just heard portions and read portions of the Old Testament. But when you really go and read the whole thing, when you really take it in the big chunks, you see God over and over and over and over again, reaching out to people who despised him and lifting them up and bringing them out again and redeeming them over and over again and rescue, rescue. His love is so overpowering. But I think even in the church, and I mean, this is something I'm really wrestling with right now is uh, we just don't know the word. So it looks like there's discrepancy because we've picked and chosen and, you know, we have all of our children's Bible stories and we never grow out of the Bible story, the children's version of the Bible stories. And we never link it with the Old Test or the Old Testament with the New Testament as fully as we need to. That's, good. That's been my experience. That's good. That's good. Because and so it's taken a lot of heart searching for myself to realize how good God is and it's consistent from Genesis to Revelation. That's right. That's right. Because the, the the revelation is progressive. God, has, oh, yeah. God hasn't changed a bit. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But what we and the Old Testament also is written by people who only saw a portion of that revelation. So even as they wrote... They were writing with the inspiration of the spirit, but it was not with the full revelation. And the thing about it is, you know, we got to realize what covenant they were under. Right. right? Yes. They were under the old covenant of the law. So Jesus had not had not come yet. So they only, like you said, they only had a portion of revelation on who God is. Right. But with Jesus coming, we get to see in the flesh what God looks like, how he deals with man. So all we have to do is look at the ministry of, and the, the life ministry of Jesus and we get to see, like, what is God like? He's like that. And what did he do? He went about doing good. And destroying the works of darkness. Mm. All right. I, let me go to, let's go to Psalms 1 and 3. Psalm 103. And I'm going to start at verse 1 with some pauses here. All right. Now, again, this Old Testament here, right? This is David. But David is a man after God's own heart. That's who, that's what he, he was called. Right. Mm. So verse one says, let all that I am praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for mm. me. He forgives all my sins. He heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. 
All right, let's pause here. This is David living under the old covenant, saying all this. Right. Yeah. Regardless of what translation you use, you know, whether it's the Aramaic, the Hebrew, the Septuagint, all means. They talk about mm-hmm. like even in the darkest um, regions of some of the jungles where they do the collect, you know, collect. That's their like they collect. That's their own 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 collect. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. Lord, the Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled yeah. with unfailing love. Mm. So good. How come in verse 5, the three versions have a completely different word? He, what is it, fits or fills mm-hmm. my life? He what? What's fills that? my life. He, my life with good things, my mouth with good things, he satisfies my ears with good things. Why are there three different words? Those are three very different words. Well, not life, I mean, but um, my mouth, my life, my... That is so amazing, though, because, again, if we, if we know the New Testament and then we come back to this, mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking... You're talking about the gift of the Holy Spirit right there. You're talking about tongues. If it's his mouth and a, and possibly the communion even, taking the communion. Isn't that awesome? Ooh. That's a Joseph Prince message I heard one time. And it was like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> because you, you, you realize what Jesus has revealed, and then you go back to the picture book of the Old Testament, and it just buds wide open. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's real good. Now, let's, let's look at that, all right? Because Sue brings up a point, okay? So let's look at each translation, right? So... In the Amplified, it says, who satisfieth your years with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the soaring eagle. Okay. And in the King James, it says, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. Now, when we talk about the mouth, and we talk about food. What does food represent? Nourishment, right? Yes. So our bodies can't function without nourishment. Right? The Lord satisfies my mouth of good things. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone but on every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So this is going above and beyond the physical bread, but he satisfieth our mouth with good things. Do you know what this says in here? 
instead of good things, it has things and the talents to study. This this study Bible we have, mm-hmm. it's nobody's. It's not Andrew's or somebody else. It's just a study Bible. I mean, someone give it's no name to it. It it it's got an talent to satisfy that thy mouth with good, which that really encompasses everything. 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 Yeah. It doesn't stop at eating. I mean, and that's a good thing too. Mm-hmm. That nourishment. That's good. If we don't eat, we don't survive, and it don't matter anyway. Because but it's good. Because you see, verses three and four. Mm. Right. Let's read that in the King James. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. We'll see what scripture comes to my mind is then the scripture says, um, life and death is in the tongue, right? Mm-hmm. That's a good. That's a good way. To we we speak life through our mouth. Yeah. So filling your life with good. Right. So when I speak, I should good. be I should be speaking life. So therefore, it says, "He fills my life." He's you no. Know, if life is. Yeah. If we're speaking life, then yeah. Right. He's he says he satis who satisfies thy mouth. Right. Me individually, you individually. Yeah. With good things. Right. So Jesus represents the word of life, mm-hmm. right? So you see the word picture. Everything comes back to him. Yeah, and then your mouth too, like your testimony mm-hmm. and the good things you speak because he did it. You know, it's like God has been so good to me and you're saying it and this is what he did, mm-hmm. you know, et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, but you even speaking like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We we it. overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word, word of our testimony. Yeah. It's true we can either grumble out of our mouths or we could be speaking testimony. Yes. Right. You're still it's speaking you're using right. your mouth for the same mouth that feeds you good stuff. It's speaking good. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. So the Lord True another one in here looking up um the Hebrew, it's it's also the word excellent and ornament. Just to keep it interesting, as well as mouth and and life. Let me go to the passion translation here. Verse five in the passion says, You satisfy my every desire with good things. And it says and like you, like you had just mentioned, Mary says the Hebrew yes, text is somewhat difficult to understand. It is, it is literally who satisfies with good ornaments. Then you have to go look at the word ornament. <laughs> so where's Rick Renner when you need him? You've supercharged my life so that I soar again like a flying eagle in the sky. All right, now. I'm reading all this, and I, it, it don't sound like God too angry with His people, right? I'll say how far it goes down. Right. Verse eight, reading that again, and I'm, I'm gonna go back to the New Living Translation. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love, 
He will mm -hmm. not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. All right. So I think he does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. Sound like mercy to me. Mm -hmm. and, and this is David talking, right? right? And he lived under the law, the old covenant law. Verse 11. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. That is cool. Now, let me say, some people will say, well, okay, yeah, they will agree with David, but they will put an if on it. Yeah. Condition if you repent of all your sins. Yeah. I've heard people do that. That is, oh, yeah, that's definitely a um, risen subject. Right now, now. in other words, they will he add something. Unrighteous. He has removed our sins as far as this, from us as the east is from the west. Yeah, but they will add their yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you disclaimer. Right. Yeah, they have it to the scripture. Yeah. Well, if, yeah, this all this is true, if you repent of all your sins. That was me. That's not what David said. That's what I believe. Yeah. So I certainly said, before you die, you better, make, you know, you better not be, you repent all them sins. You better, mm -hmm. you're not going to make it. Mm -hmm. I used to think this about that too. I'd go, what if you're falling from like a burning building and you're going to fall to your death and. I mean, you're trying to think as you're screaming and falling. I mean, it's really sad to think that it's like, repent of this, repent of this. It's like, you know, call me Jesus. You know? That's all you have time to do. Forgive. Forgive. Yes, Because if you really think, pull the, the onion back and look at that whole theology, that perception of the, the conditional, all right, the con that, that condition. Of that condition. If that were true, how could we even make it to the point of making a decision for Christ? Knowing that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All right. So you're born with the death sentence. And I know there's plenty of us in this room and whoever watch <laughs> that have done some things deserving of punishment. All right. Deserving of condemnation. But yet here we stand. So God's mercy is abounding to everybody. The only question is, are you, how do you respond to the grace that he has extended? Are you going to be a full participant in this life and the next? Or are you going to just piggyback on the mercy of God until you take that last breath? Because see, again, this is why, you know, you can't just totally throw out the hell and brimstone, brimstone message mm -hmm. because yeah. there is a reality exactly. that there is a reality of separation from God, a literal hell. Once you step out of this natural life, yes. if you don't receive the gift of righteousness. Yeah. Yes. And that's a part of the good news that you don't have to go there. But with that mindset, you just talked about whether you realize or not, I'm putting my confidence in my performance. 
not in Jesus. But my confidence is okay. I'm good as long as I repent of my sins. So now, when I realize that I am performing spirit, mm. I'm dreaming of performance, trying to dial it around and cross the teeth. And so, um, there goes your relationship. Right, where I'm living this seesaw life, yeah. you know. Yeah. If I'm doing good, I'm good. Uh, and God is not gonna, you know, He's gonna be good to me. If I'm doing bad, stuff bad, then He's gonna be bad to me. Yeah. And so, therefore, I'm going here. It's, it's fluctuation. It's no consistency in His character and who He is, even when I mess up. Yeah, I I was that way. I was that way. I didn't know how bad until listening to Andrew or something again, seeing this stuff. In the mornings, early in the morning, babysitting. And I just, you know, because I was, it was the healing testimonies just starting. I just started listening. Oh my gosh, I've never heard that before. Yeah. <laughs> or didn't hear it that way. Or you mean, you know, I started listening. I go, mm-hmm. and I, little by little, I finally would tell her, and she was having her issue, but she, she got to where she could listen, and we just, just started pouring into it. Because, oh my God, where did this guy come from? How come I didn't know him? How come they didn't talk about it before? Wow. Yeah, yeah, so I'm grace. Yeah. Even in, in the, the churches that were preaching some grace, there was still some you, condemnation. Yeah, you, you better you better stick straight line, straight line if you right. make sure you repent. Don't be angry before you go to bed. Because you might die when you go to sleep. Mm-hmm. And that's a sin. And he, he, we learned about from the anger thing. It's like even anger is a good thing in the right way. We're supposed to stay angry in the righteous way. It's like, no, no anger. I used to be. Don't close the eyes to you. Repent of every sin that you did that yeah. day. It's like, yeah, what did I do today? I used to go to what she's saying here and allow on that. I used to go to bed every night and think, be afraid that I had not forgiven everybody. Oh, no. You know, and I was yeah. afraid that if I died in my sleep for some mm-hmm. weird reason that I'd go to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. <laughs> and right. well, I first heard it from Bethel Dowling. I remember hearing that first time, I was like, that was like, I've never heard this before. Yeah. It sounds good. Because it was reaching to you. Your yeah, it sounded right. right. And I was like, okay, because once again, I can't explain this. I'm like, how does it, and it wasn't, you know, it don't register here, but it register here. Yeah. 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 And it's like, okay. It messes up. And so, it, and like you said, you want to hear more. It's like, okay. Yeah. But it sounded like the God. Yeah. That we serve. And I was like, okay, but, and so I had to continue listening to him yeah. to really get, you know, as we said, revelation. Yeah. You know, of, okay, so how do we, because I, like you said, for you, I've heard that you see the schizophrenic God. Yes. One minute he manages, next minute he's not. Yeah. If I mess up, he's mad. He wants like that, that tornado so, that destroyed these evil people. Right. Yeah, or even the people who they, they weren't living right. They should have been on the right line, you know, the right way. And they yeah. should, they, something they must have yeah. done wrong. And when you hear about, you know, okay, and I know I grew up here in the K, you know, like you said, you got to confess all your sins. Oh, yeah. You know, because if you don't, you're going to hold, gonna hold those sins again. The ones you didn't confess. And so you spent a lot of energy um, saying, I don't want God. Because, of course, if you love God, you don't want him to be angry with you. Even as a parent, okay, 
I remember, I don't want my parents angry with me. Mm-hmm. You know, so you want to do the right thing, you know, because yeah. you understand that, okay, yeah, if you do the right thing, you get blessed for that. So you don't yeah. want, anybody you love, you don't want them to be angry with you. So you want, you have a desire to do the right thing. And of course, but you understand, okay, yeah, I'm going to mess up, but if you knew that person going to stay angry with you, you know, depending on what you did, because you know we how we do, we put stuff in categories. This yes. is really, really bad. Yeah, this, this is, is bad. not, this not, is so, not so, so, so bad. bad. So you know, like, he gonna let y'all get hooked for this one, but he let y'all get hooked for this one. Yeah, yeah. he just kind of says, "Yeah, that's not as bad." So yeah. if you have that mentality, that mindset to even, as we call it, the small stuff, you'll be like, "Okay, well, I can do this," because he don't really care about <laughs> this that much. <laughs> yeah. But I ain't gonna do this because I know uh, he gonna he gonna really get me if I do this. Yeah, would you? <laughs> right. So I can cuss you out. He ain't gonna forgive me for that. No, you made me angry with it. But murder, oh, yes. no, that's yes. so. I mean, you tend to have this, you know, mm-hmm. relationship that's like it wasn't about performance. And you never get the level of intimacy that we're talking about. And you know, an interesting just a side note <clears throat> on that about his character, if I may say, is I mentioned this here before, but my um, a family member of mom's and I's, they passed away many years ago, but they loved God and they could like, you know, pray for you and speak to you and see right through you. And, you know, God spoke to them. And the same person, they still had a lot of religious baggage. So when they talk on themselves, you could hear that come out. They would kind of, be judgmental. So I don't mean that mean about the person because they love God. No, they were really but however, but when they got in the spirit and they were speaking and they were talking about what God was saying, like God directly, he was always so gentle. He could feel God's love. And I go, that proved it there. You know, and any of us could be, you know, been there, could be like that. It's like God's spirit, he's always a gentleman. He's always going to deal gently and lovingly, even when he corrects us. It's going to be, mm-hmm. hey, this is hurting you. you know, the example really she's saying is this person had came to another family member who was really, really doing some horrible things. And she had been told about what God is like, and she knew stuff. And she came to her, and God actually warned her to tell this other lady, this young lady, she goes, listen, God has been to put this in my heart. And she did it, and didn't do it in front of anybody. She went to the person quietly, and she, she told him, she goes, God showed me that if you would turn your life back around, that there's something coming to you, the enemy wants to come after you, and he's showing me there's something maybe coming at you. If you would turn to him and not, it was there was no doing like this. It was mm-hmm. more, it was no all finger love. pointing. It was yeah. all love saying, yeah. please, he's missing you. He wants to protect you. It was like that. It was that you do this. This is going now. Yeah. So, you know, God says you will put this on you. Now he goes, there's a warning, and. She said she, she told us later. She goes, "This when she's in operating the in spirit the right way." She goes, "You could tell the person was going like, mm-hmm. you know, like that." And then mm-hmm. something came. Somebody came and broke it. Yeah, and she could completely finish. She had said enough. And what's so sad? And it, it's not that she did a prophetic thing. It was just God was warning. The young lady continued on her path, and she got cancer really bad. Mm-hmm. And she's gone now. She's younger than I. 
And the, the clearness of the prophet, everything, it but, wasn't that God looked, caused it. Oh, but the thing that made yeah. it really touched me about the person that was operating right, they never gloated. I told you that. They never did that. So they operated in the right way. Mm -hmm. That's how they go. I wish they had listened. Yeah, it was like painful. Yeah, it wasn't like it was, you it's know, look at me, I was so great. Yeah. No, never, never. I'm sure God's spiritually there. It yeah. It's love listen. and it's gentleness. Yeah. You know, she, For she someone's tried. benefit and concern, not like, you know. I'm saying they, they went to hell because she knew who Jesus was. So mm -hmm. even, okay, you don't know because that's yeah. between God and her. But she did. Such her bad choices. That and she died. You know, okay. not, not a good well, before I forget, because this was such an interesting thought, because in that moment, I felt even more connected to God. Because speaking of like the parent and the child, this is kind of where we're at. But um, and something, what was in that scripture about um, anger or good things? Something. God, there is no double standard. God, it's not. Oh, he can do whatever he wants to act crazy, kill people, whatever. But you, you better shape up or I'm going to be angry at you. So that jumped into my head like, oh, wow. He's not telling us to do anything that he doesn't act like. And I'm like, oh, I never thought that That's before. That's a good example. He is, there's not like, oh, well, you better do this, but I'm going to go here and party and do whatever I want, and I don't know why that I never had that thought before, and that is a really cool thought. So when um, it's about, you know, what are we doing right and wrong? Yeah, but he's over there. Up, he's being perfect. So to me, that that put me together. That made me closer to him with that thought, mm -hmm. because parents in the natural, it can be a double standard. Do what I say, but he's what perfect. I do. So if he tells but us so, to do something, he's doing so, it already. So yeah. doesn't that make yeah. you feel better? That it's like, well, I'm gonna do whatever I want to, and you, you know, do do as I say, not as I do. Uh uh. He is. Have he you loves people no matter how much no, they curse him. Say, not what I did. You know, and I, I don't know where that thought. There's no double standard. That's free, God. yeah. <laughs> and it made me just get so much. Connected to him, and then the the second thing about um, identity, it's like the more you meditate on you're seated with Jesus in heavenly places, um, you're seated at the right hand of the Father. We're a team. I love the word team. Team, 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 team. Um, the team works together. Do what needs to be done for the team to be together. And that way, you're always team. I'm all, God and I are a team. Every minute of every day, I don't. Oh, I don't know about doing that. Like it, sin and wrong things never cross my mind because I'm so connected and you. Said, and so it's the word intimacy. And so I guess my pathway of where I'm at, that's where I'm at with my intimacy with God now. And I don't. I'm not in your head. <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking. I just know where I'm at and don't know if other people are at the same place I That's am or awesome. not. But it's like, it's team. I'm seated with Jesus. 
I don't even think about, oh, let me go do something, this and that. And, you know, I don't even think of sin or it just never even comes up. That's true. Like we were talking about relationship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that one. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. All right. I'm going to read 12 and 13. And then we're going to, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit a couple points on the outline. Then we're going to go to Jeremiah 31. All right. And just look, look at 12 and 13 again. He has removed our sin as far from us as the east is from the west. Right. Has anybody figured out how long it is? Uh, <laughs> is it infinite? It is infinite. Because I, I don't really know. Is no. it infinite? I think our years of combined reading the Bible here, we've probably not figured that length out. Right. Right. <laughs> 13 it says, The Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who fear him. Right now, two points from the outline says we have to understand the difference between the way God dealt with the people under the old covenant and the way he deals with us born again believers under the new covenant. He has changed the way he relates to mankind because of the transformation in us. Right now, let's go to Jeremiah 31. That actually jumped into my head before you said that. I'm like, wait a minute, as a father, like, no, we're kings and priests, so yeah, that's that already jumped into my head right before you said that. Yay. All right, let's start at verse 27. This is the prophet Jeremiah says, the day is coming, says the Lord, when I will greatly increase the human population and the number of animals here in Israel and Judah. In the past, I deliberately uprooted and tore down this nation. I overthrew it, destroyed it and brought disaster upon it. But in the future, I will just as deliberately plan it and build it up. I, the Lord, has spoken. Verse 29. The people will no longer quote this proverb. The parents have eaten sour grapes, but their children's mouths pucker at the taste. Mm. Verse, I'm going to read verse 29 and then King James says, In those days there shall say no more. The fathers have eaten a sour grape, and the children's teeth are set on edge. Now think about the, the bondage of generational curses here. Okay. Verse 30. All people will die for their own sins. Those who eat the sour grapes will be the ones whose mouths will pucker. Now look at this, verse 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them out took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant, though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instruction deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, 
you should know the Lord for everyone from the least to the greatest will know will know me already, says the Lord. And I will forgive their wickedness and I will never again remember their sins. Wow. Now, doesn't it sound like the work of righteousness in Christ? Old things passed away. All things become brand new. Yeah. <clears throat> For me, I think that's the that's the missing link. That is the missing link, I think. As far as the body of Christ, we don't understand what covenant. I mean, we, we're so busy trying to preach both. And that's what we get to, as you said, the schizophrenic God. Oh, yeah. Versus understanding, hey. Love the <clears throat> covenant that you put, God put his 100% into us. And all we have to do is believe him in that, you know, that mm -hmm. agreement. But right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't understand covenant society. And so we want to stick with, you know, the, we want to preach the old and the new yeah, together yeah. to try to um, get people to identify with God. And this is what people are confused at. Yeah. That's why they think, well, it God is. is angry. He, one minute he's angry, the next minute he's not. And so, yeah. so which one do I believe? That's what I love about, you know, this too, you know, as you were saying, that missing link, it made me think too. Like when it talks about write my law in their hearts, you know, and I'll be their God and they'll be my people. And I go, you know, we talk about it, it's like, well, how do you know if somebody's really saved? You know, it's just like, I can't, you know, I can't do this or well, I am forgiven. But, you know, it kind of like the confusion, but then like thinking about the relationship with Jesus. And I go, um, I thought about what I said, times in my past, you know, four years of my life or four years, a little over four years ago, I was so confused and like, I just want to do this and do this and do this. And, I told this testimony a long, very brief part of this, you know, story. I've told it a longer version, but um, I don't assume might be one of the ones that didn't hear, but it's just um, I, you know, I went crazy, didn't want, well, almost went crazy, didn't want to do with quote-unquote God, and I went out for New Year's Eve of 2018. I bought a dress for it, and I just went Plenty. crazy, you know, like, I'm going to wear this dress, whatever. If God had told me in the sense of, you can't do that, or I don't, or, you know, I don't want you to do that, I've been like, Go away, custom work, get out of my, you know, get out of my room. And I told mom to this day, I, I've never veered from this. Look at the mirror, looked at myself before I went out, before my best friend came to get me. And I just looked at myself like, I can't wear this dress. I just, I could not wear it. And even though I didn't want to think about it at the time because of my fears of God, this scripture always came to my mind. I go, I will write my laws in my hearts. I go, I was a transformed person. I just didn't want to be a nun, which God didn't want me to be, you know, but I didn't want to wear, you know, I don't want to dress like a nun anymore, but I picked a beautiful, nice dress out of my closet and I wore that that night and I go, there it was, but I go, wow, to not be forbade just to, in my heart, out of my own wanting, you know, that God had put there to go, mm -hmm. I don't want to be dressed like a harlot because I don't want, you know, because God, you know, had transformed me, mm -hmm. just as a testimony to that. So to going back to one of the points on the bulletin, about how you know Andrew said if you want to know God look at the likes of Jesus. Yeah. And I was thinking you were talking was thinking about the perfect one of the perfect well I said one of the perfect stories for that is um the woman called her daughter. Look at Jesus. They bring him to her, bring the woman to him and says we want you to be the old testament God. Yeah. Killer. 
Mm-hmm. He got all them stones hanging around. Stones. He got plenty around him too. <laughs> and so old covenant said, catch him, stone him. Yes. Of course, we know they were half right. They only brought one person. Yeah, that's what I said. What to the But Jesus said, okay. You try to catch him. He was going to see him in the cast very stone. After everybody leaves, he looks at the woman and says, okay, where are your accusers? She's like, but listen to what he said last night. He said, okay. Mm-hmm. He said, neither do I. I'm not holding this again. The last thing he says, go and sin no more. more. Yeah. And then when I was thinking about that, I says, sometimes we're afraid that I need to go all in with grace because we want to keep that Old Testament mentality. Yeah. Um, because they did, she didn't mess up. But Jesus says, hey. But he didn't say, Oh, go and continue to do it. Go do whatever. Yeah, yeah. He, he, said, he warned her. Go, go, he warned her. Yeah. Right. your life. He says, "Okay, you stop just... this. Okay, you got caught. You're forgiven. But stop it. It's like this you is hurting you. Right. I don't want you selling. Yeah, yourself. you don't want to keep doing. You got this. a better life. I got a better life for you, hon. You know. And so, to me, that's the picture of grace. It's like, okay, yeah. I'm not holding this against you. I'm not angry with you. But uh, you don't want to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. Because this is not only going to hurt you, but hurt other people. Right. All right let me let me go down. I'm I'm gonna start at verse one, John eight, and then go down to eleven. All right. Now, Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives, but early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he sat down and taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? All right, now you see the setup, right? All right. The law of Moses says to stone her, they say. And as Eric pointed out, they only brought one participant. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, in order for adultery to happen, it has to be two people. So let's keep reading. Thank you. They were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stopped that, stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. All right. So you see how, how he responds. And the King James, you know, he says, he that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. All right. That's real to the point. (laughs) Right. So let's read verse nine. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest. Until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. 
Now you see the religious leaders of the day. They brought this woman out. Okay. She was guilty, yes. So the Pharisees, though, when they hear Jesus' response, like, okay, you that is without sin, you cast the first stone. Who in that environment, in that group, was without sin? Zero. Jesus was the only one. Jesus was None of the Pharisees. Right? So, shouldn't all of them, all of them had some guilt on their hands? Right? Yeah. So Jesus, he's, he's exposing who the one, the one is who is righteous enough to exact judgment. All right. He's exposing that. Verse 9 again. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? So he's dealing with shame now. None of the Pharisees are present because they 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 guilty of sin just like she is. Mm-hmm. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Only one left is him. So the only yeah. one, the only one who is in a position to judge is Jesus. And what does he say? Let's see. She says, no, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. See, when Eric said what he did about us being, you know, those of us as, as ministers and even just other believers trying to share the good news, sometimes there's this temptation to give them 85% of the message, but keep that paddle in the back. Mm-hmm. Just in case, a little bit of law, just in case they go out here and start wilding out and go crazy. Out of this fear of what? You know, being a practitioner of the greasy race message. Yeah. Right. But just like Paul said, you know, in his epistles, and specifically in Romans, if you are teaching the grace of God in his fullness, that accusation is going to come to you anyway. That you're you're giving people a license to sin. But just like all the famous preachers say, how many of y'all asked for a license to sin before you sinned? (laughs) You didn't didn't go to the sin DMV and pick it up. No. You you know... Andrew says it to Google, like people are doing plenty, plenty of good sin without having a license, right? <laughs> Nobody asks for permission. But here's exactly. here's how the grace of God is is teaching in this moment. Mm-hmm. Jesus said, "Neither do I." Old covenant forgets this part and just preaches, "Go and sin no more." Right. Yeah, it's a half message. You can't go and sin no more until 
you receive the gift of no condemnation. Because that's the empowerment. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. Going back to Jeremiah 31. All right. I'm going to read it again. All right. Jeremiah 31. Where he says. Oh, that's not Jeremiah. There we go. 33, 31 and 33, he says, in the Amplified, but this is the covenant which I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Now, that sounds like the indwelling of the Holy Spirit to me, right? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And each man will no longer teach his neighbor and his brother saying, know the Lord, for they all will know me. Through personal experience from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness. And I will no longer remember this sin. The connection between practical holiness and the revelation of God's grace. That's the missing link. And that's the part that, you know, we we need to sit on. Because that's the, that's the key. You want to see your people. You want to see people walk in the fruit of the Spirit. You got to have a, a abiding revelation of how much God has forgiven you. The totality of his forgiveness. But that's the, that's the empowerment. Because condemnation no longer is a, is a weapon against you at that point. Scripture says, perfect love casts out fear. all fear. All fear, yes, all. Cast out all fear. <clears throat> so, going all in, like Eric said, on the grace message. That's the key to practical holiness. Because it's the grace of God that teaches us. I've asked God so many times in the past four years of my life, so many different like sins I go, maybe it was something stupid that I would never ever do, but it was just a curious question, like go murder somebody. I don't know, not really, but you know, like I don't want to do what I never would do, but it was just like, you know, I would just kind of break it down in my head, like why? Really not murder somebody that's that was taking somebody's life, but you know, just things I go like, God, you know, why don't you say not to do this or that or whatever? And then, like, God would show me, and he would, you know, he still does sometimes, like, well, because of this, because of that. And I'd go, and then it makes sense. It wasn't just about a, you just don't do that. Why? You just, just because you don't, you know? <laughs> like, you know? And it was like, oh, so if someone does this or if I do this, then this could happen or that might happen. And then I go, and then that's not going to be good, you know? <laughs> so, you know, but still, God, it takes his grace to empower us not to do said. Mm -hmm. Sin or wrong thing, but you know, yeah. That's good. But I have a question. Like, why, and especially like in politics, do the I guess non-Christian people 
Why do they always say, um, you Christians, you're always trying to make everybody, you know, what do they say? Like, you're trying to make people do something. What do they say? Like, kind of, like you're trying to push, push your beliefs on everybody else. And every time I hear that, I'm like, where am I doing that? Like, what, how is that even true? Like, who is doing that? I think it can be viewed that well, way. But the, the culture is doing the same thing. True. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? They're saying we're trying to push. Yeah. Yeah. How am I doing that? Please tell me how. They're but their, their they're their actually push. trying to push their us to accept their their stuff. And yeah. we're saying we love you, but we can't accept that. Because yeah. We're making a we're taking it. Right. It looks like we're like. But it's not. Yeah. But I'm mm-hmm. not trying to make them do or not sin. And that's what I never didn't understand. Like, how am I? How am I making you do anything or stop doing anything? Because I, I'm not. Mm-hmm. You keep trying. I'm like, how? Right. And and like Eric said, it's it's a hypocritical statement. Right. Yeah. Because everybody is trying is 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 promoting quote unquote a belief system. Mm-hmm. You're pushing something. All of you are pushers. I'm sorry. You're all pushers. I've always thought because Christianity is absolute, usually, like, you know, we're not coexist versus there are some belief systems not trashing anybody, but Jesus is the only way. But however, we're not, you know, true Christian, we're not going to, or true believer in Christ, we're not going to, like, coexist. We're going to be, hey, I love you, but I'm not, I don't stand for what you stand for. Right. You won't. And see, and, and there's a way to do that. Right. And again, if I am a fundamentalist works righteousness believer that is condemning everybody, then I'm presenting myself as the executor of judgment. Mm -hmm. Right. But me having a stance to say no, all right, as a believer, I do believe in the exclusive nature of salvation mm-hmm. and that Jesus is the only way. That's orthodox Christianity. That's it. There's no way around that. Now, does that give me the right to call <laughs> you all kinds of such and such names and condemn you? Absolutely not. Because at the end of the day, that's not representative of who I belong to. Yeah. So if I if if I do that or if somebody else does that, then I'm acting out of character anyway. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, because we, we can, and that and and it's those reasons why this tonight's question is is even on the table. Is God angry with me? Oh, no. mm-hmm. Because how how many times you you would see the 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 folks with the signs and stuff like this. Outside the abortion clinics and stuff like that, right? Now, obviously, as a believer, am I against abortion? Absolutely, hundred yeah, percent. But for you to call names and to just you know condemn, that's not representative of what of who we are. Did Jesus have a picket sign? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. He didn't do that. No. But speaking of what she was talking about, absolutely, that was. 
you know, the medicine side of it, of saying, okay, the truth is the word. I mean, God's word. Now, you have a right to ignore it, mm-hmm. the truth that I'm telling you. But you do it at your own risk. Yeah, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And that that's eternally and you know Even in the natural now. Yeah, morally and everything. Right. Yeah, morally, emotionally, whatever. But you can ignore it. But I'm gonna tell you the truth. Based on God's word, this is what it says. Now you can ignore it. You have that right. That's one thing. God protects our right to choose. Mm-hmm. Yes. If you want to go to hell, he says, mm-hmm. I'm gonna protect that right. That's what you want. I'm not going to force anything on you. But, you know, I'm going to tell you what's right. Yeah. But if you choose to keep going that way, that's on you. You know, so, and that's the thing, position as Christians we take to say, hey, okay, here's the truth. This is absolute. God's truth is absolute and universal. Yeah. It is the same for everybody, no matter what race culture, where you grew up, what neighborhood is the same across the board. Doesn't change. Yeah. And so, but you have a right to ignore that and say, I want no part of it. I gotta say, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. So as a as a final close to our question, all right, is God angry with me? All right. Let's go to Isaiah 54. Starting at verse 9. Isaiah 54, 9, and I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. This prophet Isaiah says, Just as I swore in the time of Noah that I would never again let a flood cover the earth, so now I swear that I will never again be angry and punish you. For the mountains may move and the hills disappear. But even then, my faithful love for you will remain. My covenant of blessing will never be broken, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. Mm. So follower of Christ, that's, that's, that's for you. Believer, born again, member of the body of Christ, that's for you. Mm. And anybody who is outside that understands their need for Jesus, that this is what he offers. Access to the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only forgotten begotten son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. So he is the door. So he is no longer angry because his all of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus at the cross. So he has no more wrath for you. Now, will you respond to the invitation? That's the only question. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next week. Bye, Mary.